Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Welcome to Problem Solved, a Startup to Scale mini-series co-hosted by myself, Jordan Buckner, and Aaron Gilmore, founder of Brass Roots. I'm partnering with Aaron as he's a friend and fellow food founder who's in the trenches every day. For this episode, we're going to turn the mic on Aaron as his Shark Tank pitch recently aired, and I have a ton of questions for him. So Aaron, how are you? I'm doing well, Jordan. Excited to chat about Shark Tank. Oh my goodness. I know there's been a lot going on just in the last couple of months. So your episode aired just in January. 2023 your season 14 episode 12 i believe for anyone who checks wants to check it out and if you watch we know that you asked for four hundred thousand dollars for seven percent equity to the sharks so what happened (laughs) yeah i mean we didn't get a deal but you know i would say the expectation and hope that it would turn into a lot of good publicity for us definitely came true for me, which is which has been great. We, you know, we had an incredible amount of traffic. We had about a hundred thousand people visit our site and Amazon over the few days after Shark Tank, after the episode, which was a big jump from prior prior weeks, which is really cool. Oh my gosh, that's huge. I know there's like a lot of that's probably just people who are like curious and interested. Did you see like a good uptick in sales too? Yeah, yeah. We had our best month in January by about five times, but four, well, four, four and a half times or so online. And so that was obviously awesome. And, you know, the thing is, like, not only, as you know, not only does it just boost your top line, but it boosts our your liquidity quite a bit mm-hmm. and your cash and things like that. And right now that's extremely important. Yeah, you know, as as most founders know, our best margins are on D to C typically, but it gets eroded once we throw in a bunch of like advertising, all these other costs there. But if you're able to just drive that traffic from things like Shark Tank, then those become much more profitable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my return on ad spend looked great in January. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting because I'll be honest, like when... I first started T-Squares six years ago or so. Everyone, of course, is like, oh, you should be on Shark Tank. And honestly, I like wrote them off. I'm like, no, that's like not really a, like helpful. Like, why would I go on Shark Tank? And I think I actually like got an email from a casting director at one point. And I was like, no, I'm just going to pass. Like, it's not my thing. I'm going to focus on the business. But my mindset on it's completely changed in the last you know, three, four years as I realized the power of it. And so I would love to hear just like how you think of Shark Tank and and why you thought it was a good opportunity for Brassroots. It's funny you say that. I was told several years before the same thing and I had the same reaction. And maybe part of it was me just thinking, ah, it's just, it's too much of a long shot. Like I should just pour my resources and time into stuff that I think is within reach. But I had the same reaction in hindsight now, you know, we, especially for any consumer brand, but especially us, as I look back, like we are trying to introduce this new food, this new ingredient, Sacha Inchi, that people do not know generally your average person doesn't. And it's, you know, it's even in another language, right? Sacha Inchi. And so it's like, 
we need every ounce of publicity we can get and help. So that part of it is just amazingly helpful. And the other thing is that part of the, there's so much in terms of food and beverage brands and products out there. And, but this is a people business at the end of the day, both consumers and other business partners and stakeholders, retailers, you know, it's people ultimately that decide who gets into their like, you know, Kroger or HEB or, or name your retailer. So whenever another person gets to see you as a founder and learn more about you and the product on national television, it's this really big advantage because I just think that them understanding you more or feeling like they know you a bit more is a huge advantage in a very competitive, crowded universe. Yeah, I love um, that. You know, yeah. it's interesting because I originally saw Shark Tank as like, you go on to get an investment from like one of the sharks. And I always saw those. I was like, oh, I don't know if I would take those deals, right? And like back then it was like 20% equity for $50,000 or something, right? Like the valuations were were much different and it's kind of changed recently. But I always thought like, oh, I don't know if I would actually want one of those sharks as an investor. But what I came to realize later is that whether you get a deal or not, it's like having a national like television commercial for your business, that's what, like three, four, five minutes long for your segment, which is huge. And as you mentioned, right, it really grows just your awareness overall of people who are really interested and might want to become supporters. And as you mentioned, retailers see that, buyers see that, and they get excited too. They're like, oh, wow, you're on Shark Tank. That's such a cool thing. And there's a sense of like excitement and envy that kind of comes from it, but it is a conversation starter. People like want those brands in their stores. They want the cool cachet. And so all those other external benefits and reasons are huge. Yeah, 100%. I view it almost as, like another way to look at it is you've, it's another filter, you know, another f filter that any other possible partners of your business and consumers use a as a way to say, oh, okay, well, they got on Shark Tank. Let's take it a closer look or, right. And so, you know, I, and don't get me wrong, like I think now as it, I, I can exhale and it aired and I feel good about it overall doesn't create a business or solve all your problems overnight. It just gives you this opportunity. And, you know, I think entrepreneurship is all about seizing opportunities. Mm. So if you don't seize it and execute on it, then it was valueless. But so that's kind of what I'm like charging myself with now, right? Is just you seize the opportunity and take advantage of it and use that. Well, and let's uh, get into yeah. some of those because I, I remember hearing when Shark Tank first started airing that like his websites would crash because of all the traffic. And I think now there's a lot more support around helping founders like prepare for what could happen post Shark Tank. And so how, how are you doing things to best take advantage of the opportunities in terms of like the new sense of awareness that's going on? Yeah, I mean, we definitely utilize the imagery, graphics, content, everything around it in general. When I send out emails, I'm absolutely using Shark Tank brand in a lot of my subjects, subject lines, just because again, it's like, it's that hook, you know, it's that extra filter. And people do take a closer look. The Our website now, if you go to our website, you know, you can see that we are on Shark Tank pretty much immediately. We even have um, Shark Tank product 
listings on our website. So like a whole section devoted to Shark Tank, because the idea was we, you know, the consumers have very limited windows of time. And so you want to treat it as a funnel and allow that, you know, if they first saw you somehow on Shark Tank or heard from someone that you're on Shark Tank, make it simple on them and allow them to just kind of fall into this funnel and see exactly what products you think they should buy. And then, like I said, the email outreach we're using, I mean, in my any presentation, sales presentations, it's featured always. Thankfully, things like technology has come, you know, far enough so that, you know, the days 10 years ago when there were website issues from Shark Tank, when we reached out to Shopify to warn them of this they were like, that's great, but don't worry about it. It's going to be just fine. We're used to this. And they were right. You know, we had no issues. So uh, the other thing, though, is I, I've spoken to a lot of different founders who have been on, specifically food and beverage founders who have been on. And so we prepped a lot just talking to them and knowing what to do. And it really helped us also figure out how in sales we would expect and traffic and things like that. No, I think that's awesome. Are there any other learnings that you've gone through or that you heard from other food and beverage founders in terms of what to expect or how to to leverage Shark Tank? I love all the examples that you provided. I'm just kind of curious if there's other things that you've heard. Yeah, I th- one of the things I in speaking to many is I found that um, historically people companies prioritize their website over Amazon and. I, you know, so what I mean by that basically is that they didn't increase their inventory at Amazon. And certainly to an extent, that's like impossible. Amazon's hard to work with in terms of just saying, yeah, sure, we'll increase your inventory limits by five times just because you're going on a show. But we were able to maneuver that and get some help from Amazon in advance. And my whole theory is, you know, especially a neutral viewer who didn't hear about you from a friend, but is just watching and seeing you on an ep- episode of Shark Tank, They, if they're going to purchase, they want as low friction of a purchase as possible. And so Amazon, to me, was the place to send a lot of people. And uh, so we really prioritized getting as much inventory in, getting you know a Prime available for all of our products to the, the extent possible. We didn't get all of them on there, but and that really helped increase our sales a lot versus yeah, I- expectations. I love that. And I think that a lot of founders do, right? When you have this crunch, you need to make a bunch of inventory. It's easier just to think to do it through your own D2C and fulfillment. But especially if you're like doing your own fulfillment, it can be a huge influx of orders. I talked to other founders and you're like, they're like, you know, we were expecting a lot of orders, but it blew it out the water. Yep. And having a partner like Amazon, we were just like, get your inventory to them. And they have a near, I won't say perfect, but, you know, pretty good near perfect track record for just getting high volumes of products out. It takes a lot of that headache away that might clog up yourself or other distribution partners who might not be used to working with such an influx. And so I'm very, very bullish on like using Amazon. And I think not just Shark Tank, I think for this applies to anyone that's having like big PR coming up, you know, whether in like Good Morning America or even just your local, you know, television network. A lot of people, a lot of brands, right? We want people to buy from our websites, but for a consumer, most of the time is easier for them to order on something like Amazon. It's two clicks. They don't have to put anything else in and it's done. And I think as founders, we need to make sure we're reducing the purchase friction as much as possible. Yeah, 100%. 
I love that. I know on your pitch as well, you talked about you know, your your relationship with investors and bringing on the old investors into the new business as well. How have your conversations changed either with current investors or new potential investors in the business? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, right? Like Shark Tank, this kind of gets underappreciated, but the hard part about Shark Tank of course, you're in front of a lot of really smart, seasoned people with lots of money and success, but you have such a limited window to pitch. And normally, a normal process is very drawn out. It's one-on-one, so your attention isn't split. You have a lot of opportunity to talk through the why of certain decisions you made or problem solve as you go and change structure or things like that. Very limited opportunity to do that stuff on a pitch like Shark Tank. And so coming out of my episode, you know, part of the theme of my episode was that I was loyal to invest my initial investors and brought them on as I rebranded. And the good part about that is I was loyal. The bad part was that I got further diluted and the sharks didn't like that part. But I've had since investors reach out after watching, love that loyalty. And, you know, I think we're going to end up getting some investment from that as a result. So that's just a really interesting dynamic that happens. And, uh, you know, hopefully it pays off. Hopefully that loyalty pays off. You know, I totally get that because even a number of years ago, we did a Kickstarter campaign for T-Squares and it was successful, but we only raised like $11,000, right? Not astronomical. But from that Kickstarter campaign, an investor found us, reached out and ultimately ended up putting in $250,000 of equity into the business from our $11,000 Kickstarter raise. And without that, we wouldn't have been on their radar to actually make that investment. And so I think there's all these externalities that happen as well. There's another founder we had on our podcast or a little while ago called Lil Bucks, and they had a crowdfunding campaign. And similarly, they met their goal, but it was, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars or so. And then after that, they had investors reached out and then raised, you know, more than double that amount in in equity just from proving the success and the track record along the way. And so I always think that that's another huge benefit for founders to always think about. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. The other thing that's interesting, Jordan, is that, you know, a lot of the, I mean, I was really, I was definitely frustrated that I did not get investment. Like I'm very positive now, and but at the time I was definitely frustrated, but every weakness or constructive piece of criticism that the sharks gave, we had already been considering, you know, as a point of change and required like pivot for us in some form. And that it definitely sealed the deal to make a lot of changes. And, you know, we also needed money and we didn't get it. And so it, when you need money and in order for to survive, or you can make a bunch of changes to survive, all that stuff really helped. And it kind of, I guess, hearing some very intelligent, experienced people tell you, yeah, you should do this and this and this. It definitely kickstarted a lot of changes, you know, so we slimmed down product line, our product lines and rationalized SKUs and things like that. And definitely a better business today. No, I think that's so important. And as you know, right, like there's all this, these things that we bring along with us as a founder, just every single day, just because we've always done it that way. And so I think having these key moments that allow us to step back and pivot and make major changes are are huge. One last thing I want to ask is, well, were there any 
surprising things or conversations that happen after Shark Tank? I know there's like a million people that reached out to you with ideas or comments or opportunities. Was there anything that stuck out that maybe was random? I think one funny thing that I've experienced is people, I've gotten on some Zoom calls and people didn't expect like me as a founder to join or something like that. And they knew about Shark Tank and they get this kind of, you know, a shock when I, when I appear and because they have only seen me on TV. And that part has been really funny to me because obviously I'm like, trust me, I'm a very normal person. I shouldn't be getting any celebrity status. But that's cracked me up when it's happened a couple of times. Well, I mean, um, obviously, if you're on a Shark Tank, you're like the CEO of this huge company. Of course, you have time <laughs> for a random Zoom call. Right. So that's cracked me up. I think, you know, what's been cool is it's definitely a result. Like we're, we'll get into some new retailers this year, one specifically that I won't name yet, but it, you know, the buyer reached out after our episode. And this gets back to my point of just about this being a people business. You know, he was like, hey, your project product looks really interesting. I think it could be a good fit with us. And this is a big retailer. This is this will, you know, double our size. And and he's like, why don't let me tell you all about myself and and you tell me about you. But he really valued all of the things that I said on the show related to the way I, you know, treat my investors, the way we treat our customers, what our mission is as a company. And I didn't expect necessarily for a buyer of a very large retailer to care you know usually it's my thought is it's all about you know can you generate sales and gross margin for their stores but there's clearly a lot more to it and so i think that was a bit surprising obviously really really great and it's surprising to the upside for me but that's really cool so you know i just visited with them last week had a great visit and uh, you know, quite sure it wouldn't have happened without the episode. The other thing I would say though is it, that surprised me. It didn't really, but it was just something that hit home is it actually really is an authentic show. You know, there's no script. You get one, the sharks don't know who you are. They don't know what your product is. And so it's a real pitch. If you screw up, either that's going to air or it's just, you're not going to air at all, but you screw up and that's fair game. And I think that is probably why it's going on 15 seasons now. You know, it's the real deal. Well, Aaron, it sounds like even though you didn't get the investment on the show, there are so many opportunities that have come afterwards and will continue to. And I can't wait to continue to see all the doors that open up because of this opportunity and your just ability to build an awesome company as a founder. So thanks for chatting about this today and sharing your story on Shark Tank with all of the listeners we have. Thanks, Jordan. It's, it's great as always, man.